Bengals fans are amazing. They're resilient, they're tough, but they're fun. And I'm I'm really excited to hopefully meet a lot a lot more of you. Isaac has the big game. Then we became a real balanced offense for the playoff run, which I thought was really important. He put on the greatest route running exhibition I have ever seen in my life. He was he was football twenty four seven, and that was the greatest part of of Chad. Times at times the early part, I would tell him when we were throwing deep passes, I said, "Don't wait too long, you know, because I'm gonna get away. If you ain't gonna have the arm to get there, so you know, I want to run to the ball, you know." Well, it looks like Duke's in the waiting room. I don't want to keep Duke waiting. He gave us a very limited amount of time. I know he's a busy, busy man. Duke, what's going on, big dog? Hey, nobody. Jim, how are you, man? Thanks for having me on. Yeah, hey. I'm real busy. I'm sitting on my porch. Yeah, well, hey. Got <laughs> <laughs> a little drink going on there. You know, Joe Burrow has played in big games his entire life. And I would think he will be a steady hand at the, at the, at the bow of the ship and uh, I think I wouldn't be surprised if they take them all the way to the Super Bowl. I really wouldn't. Yeah. Touchdown! Welcome everybody to the let's call it the playoff edition of Talking Football with Bengal Jim and friends. We got a boatload of stuff to get through here tonight. Uh, Andrew Whitworth will be on with us at eight ten, so we have him from eight ten to eight twenty. I need everybody to make sure if you're watching on YouTube right now, make sure to hit subscribe, smash that subscribe button, uh, and su- uh, subscribe on YouTube and get updates as we as the show goes on throughout the year. Quick rundown: uh, We're going to talk about our charity update. You're not going to believe the number we're at with the charity guys. You guys are amazing. Andrew Whitworth at 810. We're going to talk about the the tailgate. You're not going to want to miss the discussion about the tailgate coming up. Uh, We have a very – we're going to get right into the special uh, Freezer Bowl edition discussion here we talked about. And uh, we're going to talk about some of the things that happened at the game this past week uh, with that that win uh, over the Raptors. So, guys, let's let's go ahead and get into this. We're going to take the first uh, part of this uh, show tonight, and we're going to talk about – before Andrew comes on, we're going to talk about – on this date in football history, Tom. So very big time. I remember when I was little exactly where I was to talk about what happened on this date in Cincinnati football history, Tom. The Freezer Bowl. the Probably the biggest single event and championship won at Riverfront Stadium during its history and one of the biggest days in, in history of the NFL. Minus nine was the air temperature, minus 59 with the wind chill. Coldest game in NFL history. Got it. So we're going to play a, a short video clip, a couple minute video clip. We're going to come on and talk about uh, that uh, that day uh, in Cincinnati football history. The temperature in greater Cincinnati has dropped to nine below with winds out of the northwest gusting at 35 miles per hour. We're talking a wind chilled 59 degrees below zero. And the Bengals are playing the San Diego Chargers for the AFC championship today out by the river. And frankly, folks, you've got to be crazy, nuts, to be out there today. On Cincinnati's coldest day ever, the game was a survival test that called for daring and desire. 
The only thing that warmed the Bengals was the anticipation of victory. Throwing into a wind tunnel, Ken Anderson's passes sailed straight and true. The Chargers' passes simply sailed. And the Bengal defense frustrated San Diego as often as the wind and the chill. M.L. Harris' touchdown followed a Jim Breach field goal. The game wasn't eight minutes old, and the Bengals had a 10-point lead. Linebacker Reggie Williams forced the key turnover of the game, and it pointed the way to Pontiac. As the twilight deepened and the cold intensified, Anderson drilled the game-clinching touchdown to Don Bass. The Bengals had faced the elements without blinking. They were the champions of the AFC. The new look and atmosphere of a winner brought a familiar face back into focus, the face of a legend, the founder of the Cincinnati Bengals. People get disappointed when you don't do well, and uh, you just have to handle it. Uh, if you want a real lesson in that, uh, take a look at the big crowd behind me around Kenny Anderson. Uh, talk about a man that handled the things when they were very difficult for him, and I hand it to him. Proud moment. So, guys, um, the very first AFC championship game here in Cincinnati. Bengals win it, go on to the Super Bowl. Um a couple of years ago, we had the 2016, I'm sorry, the Super Bowl 16 Super Bowl team on the show. And they talked a good 10, 15 minutes about that game time. So give us a couple thoughts on this. Let's start sharing some uh, stories on this, uh, the Freezer Bowl. First, before you start, Tom, was that you without your shirt on that they showed in the video? <laughs> no, that was not. I was uh, up in the uh, red seats with my dad, uh, with him looking at me every few minutes saying, you know, are you cold? You cold? You cold? So and I lied and would say, no, I'm, I'm good. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, no, right. you know, that, uh, like we, we talked about the temperatures that day, the, uh, I think the, the real story and, and overcome the elements, a couple little stories that a lot of people don't know. The cables for NBC snapped because of the cold and, and they were exposed. And Channel 12, the ABC at time affiliate kind of stepped in and they didn't have to but if it wasn't for them stepping in nobody would have gotten to watch that game um, the other thing was you, you might notice the the famous pictures of the Bengals linemen walking out with no sleeves kind of like Jamie I don't know if Jamie is yeah in honor of that game no Jamie is not oh. going yeah short sleeves tonight but hey hey listen if we put you full screen we might come back and Jamie might be sleepless so Hey, don't count. Don't, don't count on it. <laughs> He's looking to clean it up. But anyway, but Forrest Gregg told the uh, the lineman before the game that uh, he didn't want to give the Chargers. The Chargers were very known as a, as a grabby team, you know, to grab their jerseys. Gary Big Hands Johnson, Louis Kelcher, and Forrest Gregg uh, told his lineman that he was sorry. He knew it stunk, but they needed to look at it as going to the dentist. You know it's going to hurt, but you have to do it. And they did and played fantastic and, and pushed the Bengals right into the Super Bowl. 
it's funny, Todd. There, if you remember some of the stories from our Super Bowl episode we had a few years ago, um, I love the story that Chris Collinsworth, uh, the night before, sent popsicles uh, to the hotel room of uh, Kellen Winslow. They were teammates, I think, at Florida. Uh, so I uh, sent some popsicles to him. And then I remember Lapham talking about how they put Vaseline on their arms, right? Uh, but it was so cold, the Vaseline wouldn't <laughs> smooth out. It wouldn't, what do we say? You know, just you couldn't manipulate the Vaseline on the arms. It was so cold. Um, so there was some, you know, the, the story about Forrest Gregg uh, was great. Chris Collins were talking about uh, describing how cold it was. And, and the funny story about Ken Anderson, when he was sitting on the heat, it was the first time they had heated benches. He put his feet in a heated bench, you know, inside the bench and sitting down with a, a jacket over him. And he heard a big roar of the crowd and went to get up to see what, what had happened. And uh, his feet were stuck in the, the bottom of the heated thing. And he fell face first on the turf. And he said, if there, if it was in today's NFL, it would have been video all over. He wouldn't have played because he would have been concussed. They had to do the smelling salt on him to, to kind of get him back to, to, you know, back to normal. But so many great stories. The the story about, uh, I think, uh, Eddie Edwards taking a a, a heat uh, hand warmers and putting them on his ears. And it started it started sticking to his ears and burnt. It smelled like burnt meat. He thought somebody was eating hot, smelled hot dogs in the stands. So just story after story after story, man. And uh, I know, Tom, you were at that game. I was 10 years old. I remember mom and dad wouldn't let me out of the house. I remember um, looking outside at, at the snow and all my friends were outside running around after the Bengals won, but I wasn't allowed outside. So, uh, but, but I did get to watch the game on TV that day. You, you had good parents. Uh, trust me, that was uh, – there was quite a very healthy debate at the Justin household that morning. But um, – <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you know the, the other interesting story that a lot of people don't, in regards to the Chargers that day, and and they were miserable. They had a terrible attitude going into the game. They didn't think we should play it, but their bus crashed under Maring Way underneath Riverfront Stadium on the way to the game, and uh, that had to uh, they had to walk a little bit on into the stadium. And as they're getting off the bus on the radio, the announcer is. Uh, had somebody on from the Humane Society begging everyone to please, if you have a stray animal, you see an animal, you have an animal that's outside, bring it in. It will not survive outside in this. And they're, they're going off to play football. And the last one in regards to the Chargers are when the second half was getting ready to begin, the refs had to go into the locker room and almost with a cattle prod, force them out. The Bengals were outside warming up, stretching, getting ready to play, and the Chargers would not leave the locker room. <laughs> Crazy. Uh, uh, so, I mean, that episode, if you want to go back and rewatch and listen to uh, Reggie Williams and Dave Lapham and Chris Collinsworth and Ken Anderson and Anthony Munoz and all these guys talk about the crazy things uh, that weekend and that day, uh, it's it's on our YouTube channel. Feel free to go, uh, go back and watch. I think I posted that earlier today, man. That was uh, absolutely just a, a classic episode, one of my favorites uh, at the end of the day. Uh, James, where do you want to go next for kill a couple minutes before Wick comes on? Your uh, viral post on Fox News about the banner. Let's go. Let's do it. Let's do it. So it didn't go locally. It went national. And we were just having some fun down there in Section 158. We had a big banner uh, that James uh, had printed uh, against uh, his advice. We still had it printed. And uh, it was just kind of taking a jab at, uh, at uh, the commissioner with the coin flip, you know, changing the rules there at the last minute. 
Uh, there's this picture of the banner at the tailgates right there. Uh, and then uh, at the game, um, literally security, we were holding it up most of the first half and about halftime security came over. It was like a SWAT team security everywhere, man. Tony was my bodyguard. He was taking care of me. Uh, but uh, security basically was, was saying, Hey, it was, a, I guess they get director from the NFL and they get director from the Bengals. So it was an NFL director. Security was very nice to us. They weren't being assholes. Uh, but security came, hey, we got to, you know, you've got to take that sign down, you know, and I'm like, what are you talking about? Uh, well, the sign goes or you go, what do you want to do? You know, one of those things. And uh, the on on field security guy looked at me, said, you just keep it down. Don't put it up anymore. Get it out of the stadium when you leave. Uh, they let it go. So I posted something fun on social media thinking it wouldn't be that big of a deal. Sure enough, uh, Channel 19 picked it up locally and Fox News picked it up nationally. Um so it wasn't the Bengals. It was directed from the NFL about no signs, uh, poking fun at the commissioner, Tom, which is a little ridiculous. Well, you, you weren't taking a jab at him. You were honking his nose. Um, you know, he, the NFL has had a, a bad couple of weeks at Paycor Stadium. Uh, judgment is not at 100%. Fairness is nowhere to be found. Uh, you know, if... If that's the worst we're going to do uh, to Roger, Roger ought to count his blessings. Uh, what he tried to do to the Bengals franchise, uh, the fan base, and Hamilton County as a whole, he ought to be embarrassed. And he is, but he got away with it. There wasn't that much media attention. Nobody stuck. The only person that stuck up, Katie Blackburn, was like Davy Crockett at the Alamo by herself with the rest, you know, 31 jackasses, 32 if you count Roger in that room pressing a case for us. So thank you to Katie. Uh, the fix was in, I, I think, before they even knew the proposal was coming. They knew they were going to get away with it. It's a shame. It's wrong. But the guys won, and, and now let's, let's beat Baltimore again and really make the point. Sorry, I was going to say, a lot, of, a lot of my friends up here, you know, after we won the Baltimore game, they're like, what's the big deal? Like nothing happened. What's the big deal? What do you, what do you, so what do you, why do you care so much about it? And it was like, it's not, it's the what if there was, there was a potential there that we would be the only team in NFL history to win a division and, and potentially not have a home playoff game uh, coming down to the Like how ridiculous would the coin flip would have been like when they've turned this into like a NBA special where LeBron James is figuring out what team he's going to go to. We call it the, the coin flip special. And, and ho- it was just ridiculous. And and I think Bengals fans had every right to be upset. And on social media, we know it's a toxic dump fu- dumpster fire most of the time anyway. But it's unbelievable to me how many people couldn't understand that you could still care about DeMar and care about what happened to him and his health and, and everything that's going on with him and still be pissed off with the decisions that the league made. The people couldn't figure out a way to separate it. If you voiced the concern about hey, this doesn't seem right. Why are they changing their own rules? People come at you going like, you don't care about the player. You don't care about the player. It's like, no, I care about the player. But the league's still doing its business. And when they came back to their business, they completely screwed over the Bengals. So I think everybody had a right to be upset. And thankfully, it didn't come down to a coin toss. And we got our game on Sunday. I think we all gained a lot of respect for 
how Zach Taylor handled things, how the captains of, of both teams handled things. We touched on this at the tailgate on, on Sunday and just how well the stadium handled things, the city of Cincinnati. I mean, first class all the, um, all the way, but then you read that ESPN article today and, um, it sounds like basically um, Zach and, and Coach McDermott took it out of the NFL's hands and, and said, this is what we're going to do. You know, there was a lot of the rumors out there of who called the five-minute warning um, or warm-up to, to go back out. Troy Vincent uh, vehemently uh, denied that, but um, somebody – Joe Buckstand is uh, Graham. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that article is pretty um, – Pretty interesting, but um, kudos to um, what Zach Taylor did, the, the captains and, and both organizations. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, uh, the 30,000 foot view, it's not what we wanted um, to happen. Um, again, we got the short end of the stick, but um, I think we all gained a lot more respect for uh, Coach Taylor and, and how he handled what was a tough situation. 100%. Yeah, and James, talk a little bit about, uh, you know, what we did at the tailgates. And, you know, I think a lot of different folks were doing different things to, uh, to kind of remember, uh, you know, what had happened to uh, DeMar here. So we, we, we did a, a special little ceremony for him at the tailgate. If you could talk about that a little bit. Yeah, we did. And um, while you've got that popped up, thank you to our, our buddy Dalton for allowing us to print that image. Um, Tag Sandwich did those all those signs last minute. And they also donated um, the, the decals that are in my hand that um, we handed out um, Sunday for donations. So what we did was just a, um, a quick little ceremony that, um, you know, obviously, as um, Jamie, you said, you know, DeMar was in our hearts and prayers, but really taking it to the next level. Because by Sunday, you know, his health had progressed um, and was kind of out of the woods, if you want to use that word. So um, through Tony's um, hard work and, and finding a charity, um, the first responders, we took that um, Sunday to the, to the next level and said, hey. You know, thank you to the men and women on the lines that, first of all, um, saved DeMar's life on the field, but everybody at, at UC Medical, everybody that does that on a daily basis that, um, you know, personally, I think I said it Sunday, there's no way I could, you know, do that. These, these men and women see kids, adults, uh, middle-aged teenagers, you know, die or almost die on a daily basis. The trauma that they go through is, is part of their lives. So, Timing was, was perfect. Um, again, thanks to Tony uh, last week and, and then this week for the playoff game. I don't want to steal Tony's um, thunder, but uh, we honored those. We had the representative from the charity um, present. You can see uh, Elizabeth and, and Caroline with those um, decals there that, um, that we handed out. And, and we just took the next progression in it and said, hey, there's a lot of men and women in our community and across the globe that, that do this on a daily basis. And we just wanted to say thank you to them for, for what they do. Uh, I'm talking to our buddy Mon. I don't know if he's watching tonight, but um, Mon's a first responder down in Florida and talks about the, the suicide rate amongst that um, demographic, uh, just because the wear and tear is, is so much on them that uh, the stuff they see on a, um, on a daily basis is just a lot of stuff that, that we can't even fathom. So, um, he was somebody that um, was was thankful for what we were doing, um, thankful for, for helping out these first responders. And, uh, again, we'll look forward to doing that this weekend, and, and Tony will talk about that a little bit further. So thank you, everybody, that, that donated. Um, great charity. And, um, again, Tony will talk about all that in a little bit. Jimmy, before while we're waiting for what to come on, can you go back to that photo of James at the, at the bus for a second? I just noticed something yeah, yeah. really quickly. 
Sure. Can you talk about those gloves? Yeah. Those those gloves are style. Is that like extra pockets? Is how's that? Is that what is no, that? No, it's like is, the, is that the, she can text? Is that like a teenager gloves they wear? She can text and no, do TikTok like videos in the, the winter. You flip the mitten over, and then you got full coverage. But if you need to smoke your cigar or drink your beer, you got a better grip. That's cool. Now, man. I want one James, of those. in fairness, we went over this Sunday at the tailgate that it was spreading on social media. Your gloves mm. like wildfire. It is yeah. a fashion phenomenon. Yeah. Hey, I'll, hey, uh, Tony, Tony, did we need gloves? Did we need gloves Sunday at all at the tailgate and in this game? Uh, us real men didn't didn't wear any we gloves. Didn't. Uh, I was kind of like like Michael Jackson. I only had one on. Uh, that counts, right? I had the other one uh, <laughs> open. I think I sat on the uh, on the donation table all afternoon. Got hey, beer Tom, and stuff spilled on Tom, it. Anyway, Tom showed up at the tailgate with mittens, a little hat with a little ball on top, earmuffs, and a scarf, walking around. But I, he was cold. Boy, look. At <laughs> was that me? No, I was just playing. No, no. Uh, <laughs> with, like with like with Ralph a brown bag brother. lunch. <laughs> Ralphie's little brother from a Christmas. Actually, no. James took care of me with about what fifty thousand chicken wings. Yeah, while I was there. yeah. James Can I talk? Okay, this this I was so heartbroken to miss this game because, as you guys know, when I go to Cincinnati, knockback Nats is the first place I stop. I drive eight hours. I don't even check into the hotel. I go right to knockbacks, get my wings, and then it's back at the hotel. They were there, right at the tailgate. That was the game before. That was the game before? Yeah. I'm a week yeah. behind. Oh, well, that was the well, Buffalo game. Yeah. Oh, interesting. And those what? those chicken wings, I think, lasted two and a half minutes. Oh, like, no doubt. They were, they were gone. 1,500 wings gone. Gone. Oh, yeah. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Okay, so let's, let's, as we wait for Wits, I'm waiting for him to respond to me right now. As we uh, continue to wait for Wits to come on, let's talk a little bit about what's going on food wise at the tailgate this week. We got to talk about this is crazy, man. We just uh, let you know uh, Buffalo Wild Wings location out of Norwood. As we wait for Wits, I'm waiting for him to respond to me right now. As we uh, continue to wait for Wits to come on, let's talk a little bit about what's going on food wise at the tailgate this week. We got to talk about this is crazy, man. We just uh, let you know. Uh, Buffalo Wild Wings location out of Norwood, the Norwood location specifically, is bringing down 3,000 wings. Cannon, you're going to be down there eat some wings? Come on, buddy. Uh, but uh, BW, I know BW3s is bringing out 3,000 wings. It's the Norwood location. Unbelievable. Uh, and as always, you know, we got uh, Camp Washington bringing about 300 conies down. And our, obviously our close friends at uh, Gold Star uh, bringing 500 down. 
And I, I got to talk about somebody new this week. Uh, we have a new food sponsor this week, Sweets and Meats Barbecue. They're bringing a boatload of food down for you guys. On top of the 800 plus conies, uh, on top of the 3,000 wings, we're going to have a ton of pulled pork. Here's the menu they made for us. They're going to have uh, macaroni and cheese, their vinegar-based coleslaw, vegetarian baked beans, uh, pulled pork sandwiches, and pulled chicken sandwiches. So we're very excited to have uh, sweet meats uh, bring some some uh, a boatload of uh, food down for uh, everybody. So if the focus always is locally owned, uh, or even if it's a franchise, a local franchise owner uh, here in the Cincinnati tri-state area, northern Kentucky tri-state area, uh, kind of featuring them and, and helping them out as much as we can. So anybody you see that's been a food sponsor at the tailgate this year, if you were able to stop by and grab a drink or something to eat at any of these places, they greatly appreciate it. These are family-run businesses that look for your support, man. I love it. Yeah, but it, now, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to jump the gun, but I, Jimmy, I don't know if you remember us talking about this or not when I was down last, but the plan for next year for the home opener is for my gourmet poutine and mac and cheese to come down and, and feed the tailgate. Oh boy. So I've already, I've already told my kids that work for me that we're going to Cincinnati. So they're, they're super pumped. So not local, but I want to bring it hey, on the road. Tom, does he know that all these people are staying at your house? Did you inform the wife of that yet? Yeah. That's... I, I haven't mentioned anything to the wife. What's got me more concerned is, is the poutine. How's he going to get that through customs? Nah, I mean, that's a lot gonna, we'll bring all the ingredients down. It's all good. All right. All right. Still, still waiting on Wade. He's responding to me. Looks like he's uh, he's he's still coming in. But we got a boatload of other stuff to talk about. Uh, Tony, you want to go ahead? Let's go ahead and hit on um, hit on the charity update. Kind of let's give everybody filling everybody what's going on. Is because this has just been a record breaking year. For Huge. Yeah, it's been a great year. Uh, New Day Nation, which is the most giving uh, fan base that I've ever seen here in Cincinnati. Uh, so we are sitting right now at $113,000 for this year, um, which is well beyond our goal of 75000 that we set earlier. Uh, so it's all to you guys. Uh, thanks to our corporate sponsors, our fans, and everybody who uh, who's made that possible for us. Um, with that money, we have served 24 different charities as well, so um, both locally and nationally. So it's something to be proud of. So I'm, I'm blessed to be a part of this group and uh, be a part of this fan base that's been able to do that. So it's awesome. Am I reading that right? Uh, 113,000? Yep. Yeah, that's yeah. like, that's like a, 13, so. that's like a quarter of a million Lee. in Canadian, Jamie. That's, quarter of a million yeah, man. that's crazy. Canadian. By the and way, we, you see, good job, Jamie, guys. hold good on, job. hold on, Tony. Jamie so rudely interrupted you by poor. What are you drinking, Jamie? You didn't try um, Oh, sorry. This is a uh, a bottle of J-Lore oh. uh, Cab Sauv from, I think, California. It's not as good as Bold Stripes, but sorry, Probably not. I just was worried about uh, what he was drinking. Continue on. I just want to – can you hold that bottle up again? Sure. You cracked that bottle open at the beginning of the show, and it – I did, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> well, hold on. In all fairness, I – Got some in the glass, though. Stressful day for uh, Jamie up in there, Canada, I guess. Uh, Every Tuesday, brother. Every Tuesday. <laughs> uh, you know, I think the Bengals, Bengals made an announcement today that T.J. Hushmanzada is going to be the rule of the jungle, uh, and uh, Bootsy Collins is performing at halftime with the Ohio players. If, if cool. you're too young, you don't know who Bootsy is, you don't know who the Ohio player is, Google it, look them up. Absolutely legends, rock and roll Hall of Fame 
uh, I mean, they're going to be classic. And I'm going to tell you, um, it's probably very good uh, idea for everybody to be at the tailgate this week. Uh, there's so much stuff going on. Uh, who knows? Who knows who's going to show up this week? Because every week we have this 30th anniversary uh, for the tailgate has been <laughs> epic. Every and, single. And week. Do we have an announcement yet from the Bengals if there's going to be a, a light and fireworks show before the game? Being a fireworks show. Well, the fireworks and the light show, uh, like we did a couple weeks ago against Buffalo. I, uh, I, I think they tweeted a tease about that. Um, obviously, they did something before the Monday night game, and I wouldn't be surprised, Tom. By the way, Tom, Tom they got the guy the, from they got the guy from Stranger Things doing the national anthem, man. What, what more do you want them to do? Yeah. Tom, is it true Stranger you things. used to listen to uh, Bootsy Jack Collins Lambert singing the national anthem? <laughs> EA Sports, Tom. EA Sports. <laughs> Tony, help me. Okay. All right. Go ahead, guys. No, what I was saying is, is it true that you used to listen to Bootsy Collins on 8-track tapes? 8-track tapes would, would have been before me. Uh, that would have been with my dad. My, my dad did have an 8-track back, uh, back in the 70s. I don't recall Bootsy oh ever, ever being on, uh, on his, on his uh, radio. But uh, okay. a listener wanted to know. You know, I, I believe just, Bootsy came to fame as is one of the lead guitarists for the for James Brown's band. So I guess technically, I, I probably heard Bootsy back in the day. If you know the, the P Funk in, in Parliament, love it, love it all. Uh, let's talk about uniform combination this week, guys. They, the Megals made that announcement today. Looks like they're going black jersey, white pants. Uh, so I'm good with that that combo, man. I like it. I think there was a lot of talk. A lot of people wanted to see those alternate uh, jerseys. Uh, yeah, I don't know. You hear different things. Maybe they've, they've maxed out on that. But uh, there, black and white, that's what, what uh, we're going to be wearing on. Yeah, the the official explanation there is you can use alternate jerseys three times a year. They use their white ones twice, the orange one once. And, heck, this is the NFL. Those are the stated rules. No way you're going to get that changed. So yeah, we, we have to go with our traditional black jerseys. Uh, you know, not they, they do not stray from the rules. In the I do have it from an, ins an inside source, not within the organization. His name is Luke, Loco Luke. There is going to be a light show uh, done again this week. So just stay tuned for more information online about that. Uh, let me hit one more thing, guys. Uh, and again, is, that, I'm call uh, is, that, is that Chef Luke you're referring to? It is Chef Luke. Um, Yep. Years of culinary school is, is really paid off for him uh, down at the tailgate now as he cooks the, you know, heats up the chili and the hot dogs. He, he's killing it. Him and him and Jungle Joe are killing it. Yeah. So real quick, uh, posted this probably an hour or two before the, uh, the episode started tonight. Um, if you go to any of our social media platforms, the tailgate platforms, Facebook, Twitter and Instagram, um, Gold Star is giving away two two tickets to the uh, the playoff game here Sunday night, and we will announce a winner uh, of those two tickets at six o'clock Friday evening. So stay tuned. You got to get on there. Make sure you're following Gold Star and us, and make sure you retweet or share what your favorite menu item is at Gold Star, and that automatically enters you for two tickets to this playoff game. And if you saw the ticket prices this week, it's the most expensive ticket in the NFL for the playoffs this weekend. Just like it was last year, every Bengals game was the most expensive ticket in the NFL playoffs last year. It's happening again. So, 
Where did James go? Did he disappear? I have, I have no idea. I just looked up and saw that he wasn't here. I think he put yeah. Cannon to bed. He'll be right back. So what? What's um, going back to the jersey combination for a second? What? When did they make the call that you couldn't do the color rush in the playoffs? Was that when they first announced yeah. the color rush? No, that was um, what that was. There, there's a there is a rule in all seriousness yeah. in the NFL. You get three alternate jersey games a year. We've used two of our white ones, and we used an orange one. So we used them all up. And, and like we found out with the NFL, the rules are the rules. Yeah, yes, no. You can't alter. You can't defer. You can't change. You, you can't take the exit. you got to stay on the straight and narrow. Especially you know, especially right before the playoffs. You never exactly. change the rules for the playoffs. You know, it's yeah. either that or you got to honk Rogers' nose. So – and then Jimmy gets in trouble. Big wits in the waiting room right now. And I know everybody in Cincinnati, every Bengals fan across the country and internationally has been so excited about uh, Big Wit. One of the all-time favorite Cincinnati Bengals in, in Cincinnati football history. Guys in the waiting room right now, guys, I am wore out with you guys asking a question about if Big Wit's coming back to Cincinnati. Well, we're about to find out uh, what's going on right here right now. Big Wit, welcome, Big Dog. Hey, How you doing, buddy? What's going on? How we doing? Oh, we got him. Yeah, we got him. Yep. We, we got, got him, Jimmy. Am I on mute? good? Nope. Nope. Take good. How you doing? We we hear you just fine. All right, we'll kick Jimmy off the screen. So, you know, he's only names on the show. We'll kick him off big with. Welcome. Um, hopefully you're doing good out in uh, California. We saw the, the videos of all the, the flooding that's going on. You and the family safe? We're good, man. It's uh, it's a lot of water. They're not used to that out here. That's for sure. I got a little experience with it in Louisiana, though. We're used to this. So we're all right. All right. Well, wait, hey, let's, let's let's talk about it. The biggest question right now: Is there any way in hell you come back to Cincinnati and for the playoff run here and get you another, get yourself another Super Bowl ring? Uh, I don't see that. I don't foresee it happening, man. Look, I, I would love to. There's nothing more in the world that I'd love to do than than suit it up again. That's for sure. But uh, you know, I halfway thought about it about a week ago, and I you know I went to get out of a chair and I had to get my kids to help me, and I figured at that point. Um, it pretty much summed up my chances of getting in a stance and blocking uh, anybody in the AFC this this in these coming weeks. So I'm gonna enjoy, I'm gonna root from home. I am a Bengals guy all the way. I, I've been saying all year. I think it's gonna be Niners Bengals in the Super Bowl. Uh, and I just I hope man I hope they do it. Yeah, that's great. So we, we're gonna have a lot. Everybody that's watching right now, we've got wait for about 20 minutes. Uh, any questions? Type them in. James is gonna kind of try to get to a few of those. A couple things we want to get to with. Man, uh, I know you probably haven't seen the show before, man. We've had some really big names on. Um, and we scour the internet, scour social media, trying to find videos, videos you don't remember and things like that. I spent seven hours today putting a clip together of all your touchdowns in the NFL. So let's play this video right now for everybody. Let's go. Offside on Woodley, kept his that was it. The only one. A lot of fun things in that video. That was the opening drive of the game. Uh, that was also Ryan Clark, my LSU buddy and, and guy I looked up to. He was a senior when I was a freshman. That's supposed to be over there covering me, so I don't ever let him live that down. And the other part of that is that was actually my birthday. 
And my twins, who are now 11, were expecting, uh, my wife was expecting with them at that time. So she was at home and uh, said she almost lost the kids because I did not tell her that I was actually supposed to go out on a pass that week. And so she about passed out when it happened. That's for sure. Well, the other the other thing, too, I'm glad you hit all that, man. Okay, not going to say the city. We, we call them the city near West Virginia. Wit. We never call that. We never say the P word or the S word. It's the city near West Virginia is what we call them. But it was the only offensive touchdown on both sides of the ball that day. Uh, yep. You were the only one who scored an offensive touchdown that day. So. I need to find out if that's a record. I've been wanting to know this for years, that an O-lineman is the only offensive touchdown in a football game. I want, I want to know, like, you know, that's a pretty rare feat. Tom, that's got to be the only time it's ever freaking happened. I mean, that's, well, I that's my so. It's it's the only time that I can ever remember happening uh, for a Bengal. I know you know Anthony scored a couple of the touchdowns on a tackle eligible, but it's the only time yeah, I that's what I mean. Like you know, guys have scored, but to be the only score in the game, that'd be that'd be an interesting one. We'll see. Yeah, yeah. So so let's go through. Just ask a few questions. We'll get to our viewer questions. We'll let you go, Whit. But Tom, uh, fire away. I know we have some great things for you, Whit. Go ahead, Tom. Good, Whit. I'm going to abuse you know now that you're uh, national media unbiased and so forth. Uh, but help us out here in Cincinnati. The line, from a physical standpoint, has been great all week. We hit, or all year. We had the first month or so, a lot of getting used to each other. But they've been healthy. They every week, all five of them, hundred percent of the snaps. This week we use we lose Alex Kappa. A couple of weeks ago, we you know, another LSU alum, Lyle Collins. We lose him. What does Joe Burrow? I mean, is Joe Burrow checking the right side a little bit more? before every snap what what does he need and what do they need to do as a line to get some cohesiveness to get ready for that Ravens front six yeah I mean that's the thing when you're talking about an offensive line that all five guys working together is a huge thing and so you know the one good thing that you do like you know about the situation is obviously it's not ideal it's not what you want but you can look at it two ways and that is really for a defense I've always said this like the right tackle and the right guard have a lot to do with the quarterback's vision because a lot of times most quarterbacks, how they set up in the pocket, they see those rushes more so than they do the left side. And that's why it's always been considered their blind side on the left side because it's a lot harder for them to see it. And sometimes they see it, but they see it a little later than the right side even. And so, you know, it's at least to the side that he can maneuver and move out of the pocket if he feels pressure or maybe move, adjust where he is in the pocket. So, that's an advantage, but it's going to be a challenge. I mean, it, it's a factor, and I've said this before. Like, it, that is the only thing. Like, I am pretty, really confident in the Cincinnati Bengals, the guys there, and in the talent and the ability to win from Zach Taylor to all the way down. And and uh, that is a question mark, though, because it's going to be something that matters. It can either affect him, or maybe it's a good thing that it happened right there in one location to where they can set protections, they can set how they slide. Uh, but you know teams are going to be going after that side of the line, and they're going to have to have an answer for how to deal with it. Right. Tom, I think you had another one, bud. Yeah, Witt, uh, you know, you are coming back to Cincinnati at some point. Your name's going to be up on that ring of honor, and you're coming back to Ohio. I believe your bus is going to be in Canton one day. But one of the things we do here is we focused on Bengal players that belong in the Hall of Fame. Uh, we believe that guy's jersey is, is hanging just over my shoulder. Ken Riley, we're really confident, gets to go in this year. Ken Anderson, it's criminal. He's not there. Yep. But the other guy that really bothers us is a former teammate of yours, kind of a mentor of yours. We know he means a lot to you. Willie Anderson belonged in Canton a long, long time ago. What can we do 
to convince the, and I'll be gentle, the gentlemen that vote to put him in where he belongs. The best right tackle, maybe the best lineman of his era. Why, yeah, can't, think, why can't we get attention given to Willie? Yeah, I think it's unfortunate. You know, I, I've talked to some media members, you know, here recently about it. It's it's really unfortunate how good his career is, how dominant he was, um, you know, you know, and, and this isn't really a discredit to Joe, but I, I think it's interesting that Joe Thomas, uh, who was a great football player and deserves to go to the Hall of Fame, he was an, he was an unbelievable talent. Uh, the narrative to me that's just crazy is that he's a guy that should just walk in and the door should be open his first year. Um, and Willie Anderson, who tell me what their careers were different. Like Joe didn't go to the playoffs, but one time in his career, I believe, you know, didn't have much success in Cleveland at all and win many games. Willie, the same situation, uh, you know, didn't have many playoff appearances. I think only one or maybe two. And, and literally like, to think like, the, the discrepancy, it's not that I'm saying one's better than the other or whatever, but the discrepancy of one of them's just a surefire walk in there and the other one's not is wild to me because Willie, you know, in pass protection, you could say Joe Thomas is an unbelievable just purist when it came to taking a pass set, but Willie was not only great against some of the all-time greats in NFL history and gave up very few sacks, but he dominated people in the run game and was a guy who just mauled folks. And so I think it's unfortunate for him. He played with some in an era with really good left tackles when right tackles weren't hardly ever talked about. And he did not get really the coverage he should have as a player. And so it's one of the things I hate the most about when we only use pro bowls and all pros to dictate alignment success, like turn tape on and evaluate how they played each and every week. And Willie Anderson's one of the greatest of all time. Yeah. We're with you. We're with you. Yeah, that's that's a great answer. We we talked to Willie, Willie pretty consistently. We, I mean, we love the guy. We're going to be keep fighting for him. But Tony, I know you had something about his foundation, right? Yeah, Big Lid. Um, you know, us as a group and our our fan base, uh, we concentrate a lot on um, charity work. Um, talk a little bit about your uh, Big Wit seventy seven and what you guys have been able to do. Yeah, you know, we we started off probably early in my career doing a lot with our foundation, and and you know now. We do a little less with like our true foundation and more about how we can impact communities. And so I think for me, really, it's been one of those things that, you know, when we only lived in Louisiana early in my career, we did a lot of stuff with our foundation in the off seasons. And then in Cincinnati, I would just try to join every charity I could and be a part of different things, whether it be boys and girls clubs and make a wish and you name it, all, all the different uh, hospitals and things you could be a part of. And, and then now in California, it's kind of the same thing. We're doing a lot of that. And so for me, really, when it comes to food insecurity, homeless insecurities, uh, you know, when it comes to, to schools and classrooms and creating opportunities for kids to chase their dreams, uh, we continue to be heavily invested in that. And it's something we're always chasing that passion. And we actually have coming up this week. Um, I helped with my Walter Payton Man of the Year uh, award. Uh, you get money that they'll put up to help you start something or do a charity work or donate. And so I use the money and got with some other groups and we're building a field uh, at the Challenger Challengers Boys and Girls Club here in Inglewood in L.A. And so it's going to be uh, an old uh, beat up field that they needed to be refurbished. And we're going to build them a brand new facility and we're, we're showing it off on Thursday. And I, I can't wait uh to, to for that event and just a chance to do something really cool for a community and show a little love i love it man so wait i tell you what man uh, everybody got to see your uh, walter payton man of the year speech i was in studio at sofi uh when you were giving that speech man and everybody got goosebumps uh, brother uh, just tell us what it means uh to get that award that's just one of the most special awards an nfl player can get 
It's very humbling. I mean, I was nominated a lot of times and I'll never forget, honestly, just the honor um, to represent, you know, those 32 teams and each guy that came from each one of them. I mean, it's really cool and special, uh, this league, the opportunities that a lot of guys have. But when you really look across the men that play this game and the, the really the impact they have on their communities, uh, not just on the kids that are growing up, but on, you know, adults and, and making things better for people where they come from and even in the cities they play in. It's just so humbling to be a part of that and to be a part of something bigger than yourself to me will be the greatest opportunity you ever have in your life. And so being a part of that group and, and getting a chance to represent, in my opinion, you know, I, I won the award. But to me, I represent the other 31 guys and, and all the work that we did. And so uh, I'm just honored to be in that group and, and now a part of all the guys who have won Walter Payton Man of the Year. And uh, I can't wait to see the things that guys keep doing that are, make them so special that play in this league. That's awesome. James, I know you had one too, bud. Yeah, I'm going to pop this image up here, Big Wit. Thank you for joining us. Back from your your college days, obviously we know the um, the pipeline from LSU to North has uh, gotten strong here, even in the last um, five years that we see you wearing uh, number 76. You had a uh, well-known guy coach you down there at, in Baton Rouge uh, by the name of uh, Nick Saban. Can you uh, elaborate on, on him um, spearheading you during your college days? I mean, he's honestly, he's been one of the biggest, the greatest influences in my career. I mean, uh, you know, I, I had a high school strength coach um, that I thought was a huge impact on my career. And then Nick Saban, you know, probably from a philosophical and just a, a daily chasing of greatness and the process and everything else uh, made one of the biggest impacts on me. I mean, there were days that I, you know, wanted to pull his toupee off his, off his head or, or whatever he did with his hairline there. But you know, it's uh, it's you know, he he would drive you crazy, but he would challenge you every single day. Uh, and uh, you know, I just think that um, you know, he he taught me a lot about the game and and how it's played and what you do. And you know, it's wild to go back and even look at that staff. I mean, Kirby Smart was also on that staff. I mean, to look at his success and Will Will Muschamp and and Jimbo Fisher and Derek Dooley. I mean, it, the list goes on, and that staff was was insane. And so. Um, there's a lot of special guys on there. And I think that a lot of people from a lot of different, from, from playing the game, coaching the game and everything else, uh, you know, there was, there was a number of names that have impacted the game of football, college and NFL from there. Yeah. Talking Jamie, about uh, now the regular season, I got one more. Um, the regular season is over. We're getting ready to, to start playoff football. We know how intense the NFL is. How much does that intensity ramp up now that the, uh, the playoffs have started? You know, I think it's interesting. There's definitely an intensity ramp, and, and you know, people make a lot about who's played in the playoffs and who hasn't and who has home field. And, you know, I think the real thing comes down to, you know, what team is has the ability to ignore all the noise, regardless if you're the home team or away, in the sense of not the actual noise, but, you know, not literally noise, but the ability to ignore the bigness of the game, to, to ignore whether there's going to be a big fan crowd, you know, interaction during the game, whether there's going to be moments in the game of adversity and, and moments where you don't think you're going to win. Just ignore all of that and play your best possible football for 60 minutes with everything you got, with no hesitation, relentless, never second-guessing yourself, just play. And I think the teams that figure out a way to do that and just have a singular focus to be the best team, not the best team of the season, not the best team with the best record, not the team with home field advantage or division championships, the best team in that three-hour window. That's all they have to do. 
And I, and I think when you can just have a singular focus to do that, uh, that's the teams you see play their best. Jamie, I think one. Yeah, well, thanks for your time. Um, you know, last year's Super Bowl, Bengals losing, heartbreak for the Bengals fans. I, I know watching you on the field with your kids after, and I think a lot of Bengals fans, we couldn't win it, but happy to see you win it. And I, I wondered, watching you on TV with your kids in the field, and I hope I asked this the right way. I don't want to mis, misword it, but is there almost like a, I want to say sadness, but like you feel about the Bengals? Like you know what a Bengals win would do for this franchise, for the city, for the fan bases? Is there an emotion there for that, or is it just euphoria from you winning it and then it kind of you think about it after? Just, I'm uh, curious no, about that. I, I think those whole that whole two weeks was really a lot of that. I mean, it was an emotional yeah. two weeks for Melissa and I because – the, the city meant so much to us, the organization. I always told people, you know, I, I felt like I was going to be not happy, but I would be content either way. And and yeah. because I felt like I had a lot to do with who Cincinnati is. And um, even though I wasn't on that team recently, and, and then I felt like I had so much pride of, of really our time in Cincinnati and how special that was to our family and all four of our kids you know, we had while we were there and, and were born. And so, it, you know, it's it's a special place to us. It's where I created our family. And, and uh, you know, our family will always consider Cincinnati one of our homes. And so it was an emotional week. And I think that's one of the reasons that right after I, you know, we won the game and you had that chance to sit for a second and watch the confetti fall, it was like, man, I just want to sit down with the kids and just send, spend a moment being thankful because I was so thankful my time in Cincinnati and, and for the Rams and, I think I told Troy Blackburn and Katie and Mike that story when I came in the preseason and I told him, man, I felt like I would, you know, it, it was, I felt like I'd be emotional about it one way or another. And I'm pretty sure he replied, you know, Hey, look, we, we would have invited you back up there on the stage, you know, in a joking manner and uh, basically saying like, Hey, we weren't going to be that emotional about you if we won. Uh, but I was trying to convey exactly what you're saying. It just didn't come out as good as I wanted it to. And he had a great reply. So it, it was, uh, we had a funny moment about that. Um, but you know, I, I think that's the thing. It's, it's special, such a special place and special time there. And, uh, I'll always be, you know, part of Cincinnati Bengal for sure. We're happy you got one. We're happy you got one. I appreciate it. Although, although it was diff difficult for me with being there, I wanted to get the hell out of that damn stadium uh, after that game. So. <laughs> bet. Well, hey, look, look at the positive side. At least you weren't the TCU fans leaving soaking wet last week. That was ugly. That was ugly. Uh, Jamie, let's go to some viewer questions. We, we got a couple more minutes. Is that okay? Yeah. You're good, man. Okay. All right. Uh, one of our regular viewers watching us from day one, uh, Greg, Whit, who's your favorite teammate for your time in Cincinnati? Oh, tough Oh man, trying to make me lose. Trouble with You're trying to make Don't me worry. Lose. We we won't tweet at them. We're all good. We won't tell anybody. No, I I, but I had I had a lot of great ones. I mean, obviously, me and Eric Winston and Clint Bowling formed a really special relationship in our time together. Clint was a guy that, you know, Eric I'd known most of my career, and, and in college we got a chance to be around each other at some award stuff, and and just always were friends. And then it was cool to get a chance to be teammates in my career. Clint. You know, from him getting drafted to really the start of our run there, you know, in 2011, you know, with Andy and AJ and all those guys. I, I had some really special relationships there. And, and then when I got there in Cincinnati, Ethan Kilmer and John Beeson and some of those guys, I mean, were my rookie brothers that we all came in together. And, you know, I, I just think that, uh, you know, throughout my career and time there, there's so many special relationships, you know, I mean, I can remember, you know, AJ Green and Gio Bernard and those guys as they were babies, like just 
growing up in the league and, and how much I got a chance to kind of be there for him and be a big brother. And um, I think there's just a lot of bonds I'll never forget. I think it's hard to peg one guy because, I, I mean, I really do believe uh, I gained a ton of brothers in that time from 06 all the way through 16. So uh, there's a lot of special relationships that will always be part of my life all throughout that locker room and team. And it's even hard to just name them because they're all so special. I mean, Adam Jones – Carlos and Gino and those guys and, you know, early in my career, Frosty and Domitad and just a lot of guys you competed with, you went to war with. And and then obviously the impact of Willie Anderson and Levi Jones and Richie Bram and, and you know, Steinbach and all those guys. I mean, you know, and, and my big brother, Carson Palmer, man. I mean, I, I told people just the other day, Carson Palmer is where I learned leadership, you know, and, and I learned how to be a leader of people. And he was so great in the locker room and so good with guys. So there's just so many of those relationships that uh, I'll never forget. Uh, we A lot of the a lot of the old school guys that bring on the the Bengals legends. We always hear that there's a there's a group text chat between these guys. Is there is there a is there a Bengals OG uh, group chat going on in, on your phone? I'll be honest with you. When I won the Super Bowl, I think I'm off the OG chat. But um, <laughs> no, I, I still talk to Willie and Levi and some of the guys. You know, especially the guys up front and then TJ and Chad and some of us always keep up and. You know, even T.O. from his one year. I mean, there's just different guys you keep up throughout your career. You, you know, there's always those things because those bonds, man, they're, they're real. And um, that's what you, you when you're in your career and people always ask what you want people to remember you by. And you, I think it's so funny when people talk about the, the field, because to me, I would hope you'd want your teammates to remember you as, as just a real dude and somebody that it, it wasn't just talk. It wasn't rah, rah. Um, you are a real teammate. You are a real G, and and you you went to war with guys. And you loved guys. You you were there for them in the times of goodness and 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 the time when things weren't as good. And so um, I think to me that's those relationships will always be important, and that connection will always stay there. Cool. I got two more viewer questions for you if, if you're yeah. cool with that. Okay. Oh, um, going back, put your analyst hat back on for a second here. Uh, you've had some great battles with Trey Hendrickson. What what makes this guy so good? Man, he's a special player. I can remember even in New Orleans when he was first starting off and we'd play him some in the playoffs and, and then had some big battles with him in the regular season. Um, always thought, man, he just had a, a really good knack for his motor and his ability to just kind of feel how to rush. I mean, I say this all the time about rushers. It's no different than receivers who know how to separate. Uh, you know, basketball players who know how to create separation with a basketball, you know, rushers usually have it or they don't. And, and to him, he has a natural ability, uh, you know, much like a wrestler or a fighter to just feel, you know, where there's air places or creases and openings for him to slip in and, and use his leverage and his power and his, and his energy. And he's always creating, you know, like an artist. And so he's always finding new ways to, to win. And I, I thought when I studied him, you know, in New Orleans, I'll be honest, I didn't think of him as like, man, okay, this guy's tough. It's just more of a guy you thought, man, the motor and, and how tough and strong he was. You had to be ready for him. In Cincinnati, I thought he's added so many elements to his game. He's got inside rushes, pull rushes, abilities to go around you with his cross chops and different things. And so you can really tell he's setting you up all throughout the day, you know. And, and I think that to me, that's what makes him really special is you can tell he really it's 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 a passion of his to rush the quarterback. And he's got a great feel for it. And so um, to me, that's what makes him so rare. And his motor is really what separates him is that not only can he do all those things, but he can do it over and over and over again uh, with an elite effort level. And, and not a shocker, a lot of really good football players are able to do that. 
Cool. Yeah. I'll do one more. We appreciate your time, obviously. Um, other than Jeff Ruby's, what's uh, what do you miss most about Cincinnati? I think just the people. When I got a chance to come back this preseason, and then when we did the Dolphins Bengals game, you know, I'll you know I'll never forget just walking around and, and whether it be going to different restaurants that I love there or, or going to different places that are you know like we loved and had great times you know with our kids and our family and going on date nights and hanging out with teammates. Uh, just the, the true passion for the game of football, man. It's, it's, it's interesting. You go some places and it's more about the star you are, or, you know, the, the fandom of like somebody being, you know, special and, and, you know, wanting a picture or whatever. But I always felt like when I was in Cincinnati, it was more of a, a respect and just a, man, we love football and we appreciate you. And, uh, you walked in a restaurant and people would just nod at you, wave at you, you know, you, you, you hug them, you give them a handshake, whatever it is. And they'd let you be because they just, you know, they, they, they wanted you to be a part of the community and a part of them, not necessarily just gawk at you, you know. And, and uh, you know, I think that always made you feel so welcomed and warmed when you're there because you felt like you were a part of the city. You weren't just a superstar to them that played there. Um, you were invested in the, the city and they're invested in you. Yeah. Awesome. Well, let's go ahead. We'll close it. We'll close it out here with. So um, just one closing thing from us, man, just to talk about your feelings. If you're able to the Bengals versus the Ratbirds, the Ravens this week, man, talk about uh, your, your thoughts and, and how do you think we come out ahead? What has to happen for us to win this game? Well, I think obviously I think it's going to be a big factor to see how, you know, you adjust in the offensive uh, offensive line and, and are able to kind of adjust things. I think it, running the football one is going to be important out of the gun, getting some gun runs and getting guys not in so many situations where you're going to have two guys playing beside each other that don't have a chance to get a lot of chemistry and they don't have a lot of time. Um, so they're going to need positive downs and distances, and, and then they're going to have moments where they're just going to have to step up. And that's what the game of football is. I mean – the reality is in the game of football, man, it's it's who steps up in the big moments. And so I think when you look at Joe Burrow and you look at the special guys you have on that roster, I just have a lot of faith and belief that uh, you got a lot of people that are wired the right way and are going to be in their they're going to be at their best in the biggest moments. And I think that's going to be key. And obviously, if Lamar's back or not defensively, um, you know, being able to have an answer for him and and uh, how healthy is he, you know, that'll be a question, you know, to really what they'll be able to do and. Uh, I like I like the fact that uh, I really think that in these situations, I mean, unfortunately, we were on the other end uh, in 2009 of playing the Jets back to back. And and I remember thinking, like, there's no way they beat us in back to back games. Uh, sure enough, they did. And so I just think when you have somebody's number, man, it's in their head and they know it. And so I, I think that uh, for the Ravens, man, I just I think the Bengals have a chance to take them down and, and keep moving on and chasing, you know, what they're after. Uh, and, and I'll tell you, uh, with my, my oldest son's 31, lives out in Portland now. He flies in for some of the games here and there. He was an intern uh, at the stadium and worked some of the suites uh, during game days. And he was responsible for your family suite, making sure they had what they needed, the whole nine yards. And every time he would come home with and just talk about Melissa, your family that was there and how nice they were to him, how respectful. And that means a lot, man, to me as a father and my son talking about that. So I want to say thank you for that. Uh, this city loves you, Wit, and, and I just can't put my finger on it, man. You're, you know, you're, you're not the guy scoring all those touchdowns. You're not the guy throwing all those touchdowns. Uh, but this this city loves players like you, brother. And as great as a football player you are, you were, and going to be in the Hall of Fame in the Bengals Ring of Honor, even a better human being, and, and brother. And I think that's why this city is just head over heels for you and loves you, and they cannot wait for you to come back in town when you get inducted to that Ring of Honor, buddy. 
Hey, I appreciate that so much, man. I love that yeah. city too, and I appreciate all you guys and uh, the energy you build around the team, man. Let's go. Yeah, we, we appreciate sure. you. Hey, <laughs> hey, wait a minute. Your birthday is in a couple days, right? No, no, no. It was, it was no, last December. Yeah, 12th. December. Oh, December 12th. Okay, my bad, my bad. Yeah. You forgot the touchdown catch. You when he scored his touchdown, yeah. I, I think he was like the oldest player to ever get a Super Bowl ring offensive line. I didn't know if he was on Medicare yet or not, man. He's getting so damn yeah, old. Close, <laughs> trust me. <laughs> Thanks for your time, Andrew. Yeah. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank y'all. Appreciate it. Cheers, Thank, you. Thank you, Ed. See you, buddy. Yep. <laughs> Guys, Andrew freaking Whitworth on our show. How cool is that? That was awesome. I would have never like, asked him if you I never asked him if he was on Medicare face to face. I could do that here. <laughs> Dude, I was I was trying my question about the the you know, was there any feelings about the Bengals? Like I was trying to figure out a way to ask that without sounding like you know, like, hey, you screwed us up in the Super Bowl. Like obviously I wasn't meaning it that way, but you I'm did glad, just fine. I'm glad I'm glad the words came out. You didn't you, know, you, you didn't he didn't screw us out of the Super Bowl, that ref that called yeah, the phantom pass interference call screwed us out of a suit. By the way, I don't know, Jimmy. I don't know if you saw my notes, but I have a uh, I have a new video tonight for the uh, two minute warning. When, when you're ready, when you're ready to do it, you just tell me to do it. It's, it's two minute uh, warning. Let's go. Let's, All right, you ready? Go. Here we go. This one's I'm. It's just uploading right now. I'm just dedicating this one to my my boy Tom down there. You ready? EA Sports. It's in the game. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> in the game. Uh, gosh. Uh, go back a few one. episodes, guys. A few episodes, 50, you'll get the joke. 50 episodes later. Oh, well, I'm, I'll start off because Mon just um, sent uh, sent a message there. Uh, congratulations, Mon, on the, on the fantasy football championship. Our, our boy, Jared Wolf, was second. I think Jamie, were you dead last? We had that text going this morning. Was it? No, uh, I, was, I was second last. And and Tony, I will say, is it Tony last? that was dead last? I I'm I'm not gonna lie to you guys, and and this might get me kicked out of the league next year. I haven't set my lineup for the last six weeks, maybe seven weeks. So the the fact that I even finished second last is shocking to me. And I I really hope Tony I really hope Tony didn't set his lineup for the same amount of time. Well, no, like he, he did it. In the text string, uh, I I found a pattern. So when I was actually paying attention and changing my lineup, the Bengals were losing. But as soon as I didn't pay attention, guess what? They were winning. So I decided I took one from the team, and I was just going to not not play fantasy and uh, let our Bengals keep on winning. That's exactly what happened. So smart, smart. There you go. That's so, strategy. So right. I definitely uh, finished last. Yeah. Yep. There you go. Congrats, Jamie. So the run starts uh, through January Sunday, um, as we talked a lot of bit a little bit earlier. That uh, Monday night atmosphere was was electric. Uh, Paycor was rocking. Let's do it again um, Sunday night. Let's uh, let's bring the energy, um, start the playoffs off on the uh, on the right foot. Um, as Witt said, let's get the, the running game going early, uh, open it up for for number nine, and uh, we'll uh, advance and, and and move on. Um, you know, we're we're hot right now. Uh, what is it, eight in a row, seven in a row, whatever it is after um, the the cancellation, and um, excited. For, for another deep run in the playoffs. And, um, again, let's bring the energy to uh, to pay course Sunday night. Jamie? Uh, go to Tony. Tony. Yeah, I'll, I'll take it. Um, so let's, let's make sure we tame these rat birds. Um, I think we come out with a win. It's going to be a good fight. Uh, our tailgate, let's not forget um, our charity that we've been doing. You guys have rocked it already this year with 113000 
Um, we're uh, still sticking with our first responders. Um, that charity is uh, pretty special. Um, you know, that's take care of those that take care of us. Uh, that's kind of the theme for this. And I uh, hope to see you guys out there in uh, who day. Tom? Like I said, protect Joe Burrow, win the turnover battle, guard Mark Andrews, and uh, stay healthy. Uh, the, for us as fans, that place has got to be the loudest it has ever been. It has to make last year's game against the Raiders seem like a library. So, I mean, you know, the fans, as fans, we have got to bring it for 60 minutes to help these guys out. But uh, I think it's going to be a tough one, but I, I think it's going to be another victory. And uh, we'll live to fight another day. And in honor of Roger Goodell, I'm going to uh, flip it up to our buddy up north. Oh. Uh, <laughs> hey, listen, guys, this is why uh, I went to Tony. We, Tom and I spend – you spent seven hours on that touchdown video for Wit. We spend a week coming up with these. I hope you guys appreciate this. And this is the first time. night for a half hour. One minute hold on, ago. We're going, hold on. Hold on. We're going big screen so we can see the moose's ass again. Okay. This is, <laughs> I will say, this is also, take it off. I got my wine tea. Take it off. Take it off. Okay. Wine I got, tea. I got wine tea. I've drinking that wine the whole time. Uh, the whole time. Wait, wait, hey, hey, Jamie, can you show us how much wine's left in the bottle? Ain't any. Shit, here we go. There. In his defense, it has been a ninety-four minute show. <laughs> Listen, this is—I don't know if how inflation is down there for you guys, but he literally flipped me a quarter, and it came up, and it's worth thirty cents or 20, uh, thirteen cents. That's crazy. That's crazy. Oh, oh gosh. Um, um, no, I, well, I still have to do my time. Um, no, I, I let's go out Sunday. I think we're going to win this game. I'm not scared of Lamar Jackson. I'm not scared of Justin Herbert. I'm not scared of Patrick Mahomes. Bengals going to the Super Bowl. And that means we're going to be on there for the next few weeks, guys. We're going to keep this show going all the way to the end. And, uh, and I'm going to be partying with you guys in Arizona for the Super Bowl. Who day? Am I up? I can't remember what you're up. You right. are up, guys. Uh, I, I just want to say thanks for hanging on. Uh, and, and Wit was awesome, it was worth the wait. Uh, I appreciate everybody viewing in, tuning in. Um, guys, hey, I'm just gonna tell you whether I don't care if you come to a tailgate or not, everybody that's in that stadium, as loud as it was Monday night for that Bills game, which is the loudest stadium I've ever been in, 29 different NFL cities, Cincinnati was the loudest stadium that Monday night I've ever been in. We need that energy. We need that energy to to help our guys on the field. Um, so whatever we got to do, I think the Bengals are going to pull this damn thing out. But, guys, I'm going to tell you what, this is going to be tough. But whatever we can do in the fans to help them, let's bring it. Let's bring that energy. Love you guys. Thank you guys so much. And we'll see you at the tailgate. And we'll see you Sunday, guys. Good day. Thanks for tuning in. Good day. Good day. Good day.